you know, uh, Pastor Mark. Um, he, he's just getting back from his sabbatical. This is his first Sunday today. And uh, we're going to bring him up in a little while. But before we uh, did that, we just wanted to thank God for, you know, all the uh, ways that he was shepherding us. Jesus was our shepherd. And we were missing our shepherd and Pastor Mark. But Jesus is the good shepherd. And he was uh, sustaining us while he was gone, don't you think? It was That's right. Well, did you have fun while he was gone? You know, we, we had our space. We had a little bit of A little freedom. bit of space. We had a little bit more space. But we really missed uh, Pastor Mark. Yeah. yeah, we missed him a lot. But, you know, he's, he's back now. So maybe, you know, the fun's got to come to a little bit of an end, yeah, you know. We, we had to tidy up a little bit. Yeah, we had to clean the office once, I guess, before he got back. Yeah, you know, today we have, uh, we have so many things to be thankful for, so many memories. And I know that as, as Pastor... Mark went on a sabbatical. He celebrated his birthday. Remember that? 60 years old. And, you know, I think when you turn 60, uh, you know, God just does something new and fresh, right? Um, we, we got together as a staff. Kelsey came on board, and we would go out to eat a lot, right? And, and one of these times we went out to eat, we, we said, okay, we're going to go out. Uh, Pastor Mark's birthday was just recent, and we're going to go eat some, some meat. So we're like, we're going to go to a meat restaurant. And it so happened to be on that day, Pastor Mark was on a meat fast. <laughs> and this is the type of leader he is. You know, he takes it for the team, and he, he's so gracious. And I, I think that's what happens when you, when you turn 60. That's like twice our age. So something, something we can look forward to. And, you know, I hope we, good. I hope, that was a good one. I hope we could take a sabbatical before we turn 60. <laughs> All right, next slide. You know, Pastor Mark, his oldest daughter, Michelle, she moved to the mainland Oh, it was really sad to lose Michelle. Uh, but, you know, while she was gone and he was on his sabbatical, I don't know if anybody saw him sneak into church and he was spying on her a little bit. You know, Jesus said, pick up your cross and follow me. So he took that literally. He wanted to be the cross. And he's kind of camouflaging himself, spying on Michelle. I don't know if she saw him or not, but somebody taking the picture found out that was Pastor Mark, not the cross. You know, we really took an accurate account of what was going on week to week. Right? Yeah, Pastor Mark, we wanted to get the numbers. So we were taking good numbers and making sure, you know, I don't know if you guys were aware of this too, we just buy the book. So each week we, got, we wanted to take an accurate count. So we got all the offerings and we were making sure everybody was there. So you, did we do a good job? See, all look right, at that. Thank you. 1690, thank you. 75. I think that was the week you, you preached. The next <laughs> week I was 758. Uh, man, they might have to. Let one of us go. Only now. half of the people were on time. Oh. <laughs> That's an improvement. All right. Next slide. All right. This is not an optical illusion. We are in a circle, and there's no one there. It confused a lot of people. We try to set up. You know, Pastor Mark is very particular about the chairs. And so we said, while he's away, here's our chance. And let's, let's get into a different formation. And, yeah, it just confused people. There's no entry point, you know, see? So we're all, we're all in there. Everyone's outside watching us people were coming to church and they were confused so they just left so that sunday it was uh, zero attendance pastor mark sorry about that next slide all right well we wanted oh. to make sure that okay, a lot of things going on here our staff meetings were taken very seriously if you wonder and what pastor mark's do, office thanks for letting us use it while you're away in his desk look we we need a lot of sugar to get our uh, meetings going but you know kelsey leads our meetings and you know, she sits in Pastor Mark's desk at his seat. And so, uh, you know, we wanted to take this very seriously. So we're doing a lot of strategic thinking and planning 
What are we going to do this coming week? Okay, this, this is, is not what it seems like here. Yeah, this is deep spiritual prayer. Okay, right yeah, here. Yeah, you guys heard of resting in his presence. Soaking in the downloading, spirit. Downloading, soaking, soaking in the spirit. With a lot of soaking. Yeah. Yes, we get a lot of spiritual downloads in this. But, you know, it's a, it's a long time coming, and, and we really miss you, Pastor Mark. Max and I, all those great. So we want to we wanna come and call you forward at this time. Let's all, let's all stand. Let's rise to your feet. Let's welcome up Pastor Mark. Our leader. Our fearless leader. Pastor Mark. Mori Bono. Let's hear it. Woo. Call the elders up. If we could get the elders to come up. You know, as they come up, um, you know, I, this is, you know, I guess this is some kind of, Yay, Mark's back kind of thing. But I think more than that, it's to me, it's just a testimony of what you all can do because the church is more than just one person. You know, I mean, it really, really, really is. I'm just one part. But having all of you and having, you know, these pastors and these are our elders except for Neil Shimabukuro because he's off island. Sad excuse. But, but, but you know, these, these very, very capable leaders, you know, took our church and and they didn't just circle the wagons, and they didn't just say, well, we're just going to hang in there until Mark comes back. But, but they continued to move us forward. So I am just so, so thankful for all of it. If it wasn't for these leaders, I wouldn't uh, have been able to go on a sabbatical. And so really today is a celebration of these guys and all of you. And so thank you so much. Thank you guys for uh, standing in the gap. And, 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 you know, we're going to continue to move forward. So thank you so much. So I want to thank Bill and Ted. I remember being Matt, Max Bill and Sonny. And <laughs> uh, on behalf of the elders, I also want I wanted to thank uh, Pastor Max and Pastor Sonny. Yeah, let's give him a hand. I mean, uh, you know, when you know the elders had talked about this a fair amount, uh, five months it went by pretty quickly. You know, God had really blessed Mark, I think, with a sabbatical. But he also blessed the church um, because these two guys really stepped up in a, a way that we just saw God moving so much in you guys. So thank you so much. It's, uh, it, was, it was great to watch, actually, too. Um, and, uh, and, you know, Mark, we've talked about this, in mm-hmm. fact, just yesterday again. The Sunday after Mark wasn't here, we felt like worship was amazing. Like, more amazing than normal, in, in some ways. I remember. I, remember that? And we're like, wow, the Spirit just showed up. What's different? <laughs> I no. was on my meat fast. Okay. See? 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 <laughs> See? Woo, crazy. No, but it, it's, um, no, the reality is, I mean, you know, the sabbatical, we call it Pastor Mark's sabbatical, but it really was a time of growth uh, for the church itself. Uh, and it was just such an amazing thing. And um, so we look forward, you know, we welcome you back, Mark, but we look forward to uh, all the good things the Lord was showing you. Um, but we also look forward to uh, partnering shoulder to shoulder as well. Um, because we know that it, you know, it's, it wasn't like, okay, Mark comes back, you know, kind of like we're looking like Moses has the tablets, you know? Yes. It wasn't so much that as it was like, we know we're here with you, Mark, mm-hmm. right? And that we're, we're, we're walking along the journey with you, uh, and it's just, um, uh, it's just a, a pleasure to be part of that. Amen. 
So let me, uh, on behalf of the elders and, and some the church here, uh, let's just pray for you, Mark, uh, before we uh, get in here. Yeah. Okay. So if you join me, uh, let's pray for Pastor Mark. Heavenly Father, God, you know, we, um, we thank you so much that you love us so much and you love Mark so much that you gave him this five-month sabbatical, Lord. And, you know, God, it was such a journey for him, but it was also a new beginning for us as well as a church. Lord, and we, uh, we thank you for that. We thank you for what's to come. Lord, we, um, we also want to, you know, I pray and I intercede for Pastor Mark that, you know, this is um, not just protection for Mark, because that's always what we pray for, but we also pray, Lord, that people will have a shared call with Mark today. God, that this would be a day that uh, we would also share the burden. Lord, that we would share the calling. We, we would share um, just the responsibility, Lord, the personal responsibility that all of us uh, embrace now. Lord, to follow you, Lord Jesus, that you have a call for us, for KCF. Mm-hmm. And would you use Mark as you continue to have all these years, continue to use him and, and build up uh, the church, Lord. We thank you for Pastor Max and Pastor Sonny. God, that you have just raised really amazing men in Max and Sonny, God, and they just have stepped into their own, Lord, and we, we just saw it, and we, we thank you so much for that. So we look forward now to uh, welcoming Mark back and all the amazing things we know you continue to do through KCF. In Jesus' name, amen. Good to be back. Um, you know, part of it is, you know, when you go on a sabbatical like that, you have these leaders, you have all of you, and so I want to thank you, but, but just as important, probably more important, just the support of, of, of my family. So, you know, I wanted to thank Joe, Joanne's right there, wave. And then my, my, my two kids that are here, Janelle and John. <clears throat> and uh, Max and Sonny, I expect my office to be clean when I get back. Now, it really is great to be back. And again, you know, so, so thankful for uh, Max and Sonny. I told them that I really didn't worry hardly at all. I mean, probably not. I mean, I wasn't wondering, is the church still there? Did they make the chairs in a circle? Or I didn't um, think any of that. I was just so thankful for the elders that I met with Dave yesterday. And um, just so grateful. I mean, just, just so, so grateful. People have been asking, you know, how was the sabbatical? You know, how, how was the sabbatical? And the sabbatical is a time that you go away to take some rest and a restoration and just kind of reconnect with God and do all that stuff. But I think, you know, as I've been asked how many times, you know, like, how would I describe my sabbatical? I think what just comes to mind all the time is those famous words from, you know, Charles Dickens from his book, um, you know, A Tale of Two Cities, that it really was the best of times and it really was the worst of times in some ways. You know, I, I experienced some really, really great, great times. I mean, really great times. Um, our family got to go to um, the city in Japan in which, you know, we, my family came from, and it was just kind of significant uh, to go back there. You know, we got to go to see uh, Kirk again. We got to see Kirk Cousins play in Los Angeles. We got to meet up with him before the game, and that was a blessing, you know, as he was preparing the arrival of, of, of his first child. And that was a real big blessing. And, um, you know, never in my life, I mean, really, never in my life you know, have I ever had 
of an extended period of time where there were just absolutely no work responsibilities. It was just kind of weird, you know. But it was really great at the same time. It was also really uh, a hard time. Uh, there were uh, a lot of areas in my life that God wanted to address. And it was like, Mark, I'm going to take you out of the ministry for a bit and so we can really focus on some of these things and involve healing and, and just kind of dealing with, with things in, in who I am, my character, you know, just things that, you know, Mark, why do you act a certain way? Why do you feel a certain way? And coming to grips with a bunch of stuff in my life. You know, it, was, it wasn't easy. You know, it hasn't been easy. It was, it was like, heart, I, would ex, I would describe it like heart surgery in some ways. It wasn't easy to have, you know, my car get crunched from the back and on the day before Michelle left uh, for Los Angeles, you know, just uh, shooting Michelle out to Los Angeles and for her to begin her career there. Uh, that has been really, really tough. But, you know, I look at it all and um, I'm just so grateful, you know. I look at the good times and say, yeah, God, I look at the tough times and, and you know, really uh, over the last few months, not to be dramatic or anything like that, but uh, I never felt like retiring more than ever in those last... I mean, I thought about it. I would talk to Joe about it, and I would say, you know, just, maybe this is good. You know, and I took a prayer retreat right at this hotel, and I thought, you know, I would really love... And I, maybe I should talk to some people in HR. I would love to be a housekeeper, you know, and just be in charge of a floor, and you go from room to room, and you know, make that bed so that, you know, pennies can bounce off the sheets and get a, you know, a little bit of, uh, of tip. And I thought, you know, that, that sounds good. And I'll tell Joe, and she goes, ah, you'd like it for a little bit, that's it. But I never thought about uh, retiring um, as much as I did because, you know, it was, it was really interesting. But I, through it all, I understand something. I understand in greater ways what Jesus, what he quoted from Isaiah in, Matthew, in Luke chapter 4. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor he has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released that blind the blind will see that the oppressed will be set free and that the time of the lord's favor has come and i'm excited because i believe god took me through all that so that i would be able to lead in a greater way to see our church be a part of that to see our church and see people in our church really become free. That they would be set free. They would be set free from stuff, the challenges that we face. That how great if we could see what Jesus talked about. That the blind would see, that captives would be released. That we would enjoy a sense of freedom in our lives. And, and, and because of that, I am so excited. I said, God, it was all worth it. You know, the great times, thank you. The heart surgery, thank you, because it was worth it if I'm a little bit more prepared now for what you want me to do and how you want us and where you want us to go. And I know all that I went through wasn't just for me, but it was for all of us. And I'm so grateful. And over the next few weeks, I'm going to be sharing some thoughts about where God is um, leading us as a church as we head into 2018. And I really believe that it might be the most significant series of messages that, that I'm going to be sharing with all of you 
maybe since we started the church. I mean, I, to me, I, I, feel, I feel that weight. And it's not like a burden kind of weight, but it's like a, a weight of, of something really precious that God wants me to share uh, with all of you. And today I just wanted to share something that is so important that God's calling us to that we need to, that we need to get as we move forward. And so if you've got your notes, you can follow along. If not, you know, be up here. Don't worry about it. But the first thing is this. When our highest priority in life, when our highest priority in life is to enjoy a personal, I mean, a truly a personal relationship with God in every sense of that word, then we begin to live in freedom. If you want to live in freedom, that's where it starts. And God has made that absolutely crystal clear to me over these last five months that there is nothing of greater importance in my life. Nothing. My kids, my wife, this church, nothing as is important as just enjoying this personal relationship with God. We were created, and, I, and more and more I, I realized in a deeper way that we were created to be a part of God's family. That we were created to be a part of God's family. In 2 Corinthians 6.18 it says, and I will be your, this is God saying, I will be your father and you will be my sons and my daughters, says the Lord Almighty. And if you really think about it, God who created everything says, I'm going to be your dad. And, and you're going to be my, my kids, you're going to be my sons and my daughters. And I thought about how much I love my son and my daughters. And I thought, God wants to, I mean, he really, really does want to have that with us. You know, and, and without exaggeration, almost every single day, God kind of reminded me of this truth. On my sabbatical, almost every day, God was reminding me of that. When we were in um, Japan, I thought, you know, as we were in that city of Niigata, and I was thinking, you know, what if, what if my, grand, my grandfather, and what if they decided to stay in Japan? You know, what would have happened? Um, uh, I thought about all the things that God had how he led me and all the things he's done in my life and all the good things and not so good things. And I thought about my ancestors and I thought about all of that and that it all somehow came together so that here in Hawaii, in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, that Jesus would, be in, would, 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 would invite me to be a part of his family. And I think, you know, just all it would have taken would just be one person to make a little bit different decision than what they did. But you know, like I'm here. And it's like God said, you know, Mark, I, 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 I knew you before you were born. And I, and I handpicked you. And on that, on that day, I, and, and I came and I introduced myself to you. And I said, come, will you just be a part of my family? And I thought about that a lot. And how grateful that I am. And, and throughout my sabbatical, that's the one thing I just chose to make that my highest priority. Day in, day out, good times, hard times, hard sur surgery, didn't matter. I was going to make that my highest priority. And then the second thing is that when we, when our greatest purpose, yeah, when our greatest purpose in life is to walk in God's call for our lives, that's when we live in freedom. That, 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 that when we make the purpose of our lives to walk in God's special call for us, and we're created for a reason, and a purpose, that's when we live in freedom. I've been, I've been 
looking at John 15 over and over and over and over again. In John 15, 1-4, it says, Jesus is saying, I am the true vine, of grapevine, and my Father is the gardener, and He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and He prunes the branches that do not bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from um, the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. And Jesus is saying, you know what? We're like branches. That we're like branches. And, and more than just being connected to the vine, that, that, he, that He's created us, to produce fruit. That, 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 that my life has meaning and it's to produce fruit. And a life that doesn't produce fruit, he said, is a wasted life. It's a wasted life because it's a useless branch. And God said he's going to use all the situations in our lives. And there are times when you and I, and I felt there are times when there's some really hard times. But in those times were really important because even in those hard times, when God was addressing all these things in my life, that God was saying, I am pruning you so you can bear more fruit. You know? And I always thought about, like, you know, this, uh, our neighbors had this mango tree. And the mango tree, look, you look at that mango tree, and it was an outstanding mango tree. It was, its leaves were full, its branches were full. It looked so healthy, this mango tree. There was only one problem with that mango tree. Year in, year out, never produced fruit. But it looked really, really great. But it never produced fruit. And so what they did was they, they, these, these, these tree people came and they cut some of the, a bunch of the branches and they traumatized that tree. They shook that tree up. And when you looked at that tree, you think, that's it, that tree is dead. You know, it's like, I think they pruned it a little too much. They got carried away. And then slowly, leaves and branches began to come up. And out of that pruning and out of that trauma became a tree that was, that was a lot more healthy. And it began to produce fruit. And I realized that's what God does. That He loves me so much and He loves you so much. That when we make our greatest purpose in life to produce fruit, he says, that's why you were created. And I'm going to take everything in your life so that you would be a branch that produces the fruit that I have created you to do. And then in John 15, he goes on in verse 5, he says, yes, he, he repeats, he says, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches, those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. He's saying this over and over again. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown, in, thrown away like a useless branch, and it withers. So such branches are gathered into a pile and burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, just ask. Ask whatever you want, he's saying. Anything, and it will be granted. And when... And when you produce much fruit, you are my disciples. See? And this brings great glory to my Father. He's saying, that's why we're created. is to bear fruit. Not only that, 
is to bear much fruit. How do you know you're a disciple? How do you walk as a disciple of Christ? You bear fruit. And, and I don't think Jesus is saying, you don't bear fruit, you're dead. No, he's saying, look, just understand, you've seen trees. He's telling his disciples, you've seen trees. You've seen trees that don't bear fruit. They just cut it off. They throw, they throw them away. It's wasted. And what Jesus is saying, he's not threatening us. He's saying, guys, your purpose is to bear fruit. And if you don't, it's, it's, a, it's a wasted life. It's like one of those branches that, that is useless. And he says our purpose is to bear fruit. And then he goes on in verse 9. I have loved you even as the Father has loved you. Love me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, that's when you remain in my love. Just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in His love, I have told you these things so that you will be filled. You'll be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. When we walk, when we walk and we make our relationship with God our highest priority, and, if we, and when we make bearing fruit our highest purpose, God says we're going to experience freedom. We're going to experience freedom, and we're going to experience joy. And not just joy. It's joy that just overflows in our lives. And if you and I, we're not experiencing joy, maybe it's because we're not experiencing freedom. And maybe we're not experiencing freedom because we got things just a little bit skewed in the wrong way. And we were created for so much more. We've been created for so much more than just living a self-focused life of pleasure and personal comfort. You see, it's so easy just to think, I'm here, and I'm just going to think about me, and I'm just going to be comfortable, and I want to do this, and I want to do that. And a lot of us, you know, it's easy to fall into that. My question is, when you do that, does it turn out really well? Do you experience joy that overflows? Yeah, I kind of do when I get more things going my way. When I can get more things. You know, when I can get my way. And then we pout and we grumble to God when we don't get our own way. As though God is somehow supposed to work for us. It's like we're there saying, God, I am the vine, you are the branch. And your, your highest purpose, God, is to make my life better, to make my life happy. And God says, no, man, we've been created for so much more than that. We've been created for so much more than that. Because God has an amazing, amazing future for us. So he says, look, instead of just looking, looking inside and saying, God, I want this and I want that, and oh, you know, like I'm the center of my universe, what God is saying is that like, if you would begin to see that you're a branch, and a branch that is connected to me and just reaches out and reaches out beyond itself. And it begins to touch. It begins to reach out and touch the world around us. And when, and when you look around and you see our messed up world and you see the problems and the challenges and the evil and, you know, there's so much grumbling and so much hate going on and a time in which, you know, people are calling for unity and, and tolerance, there is, 
There is so much disunity. There is so much intolerance. And the truth is, what we're saying is like, if you believe in me, if you believe what I believe, then I'll be tolerant. Because the goal of life is to live a self-focused life of, of comfort and, and peace. That I'm going to just make my life really good. And, and when you act the way you do, when we have a president that doesn't do the things we think he should, you know what we're going to do? Or governor, mayor, leaders, bosses. We think, it's a grumble. And what God said is this. I've created you to be a branch. You see those problems? You see it messed up? You reach out. And you reach out beyond yourself. And I'm going to use you for more than just self-focused life. I'm going to use you to be a transforming agent in the world around you. That instead of being just looking at the problems and grumbling at the problem, you're going to be part of the solution. That's what I've created you for. That you've been created to bear fruit. No, not just fruit, much fruit. And God has an amazing future for us. We started this church because of a vision. We didn't start it just to start another church. There's a bunch of churches. Do we need more churches? But in 2003, in January 2003, I had this vision. And I had one of those honest-to-goodness visions. And I don't have too many of them. But this was like a vision. That's the best way I can describe it. And I was praying, and I had this vision. And, and I was in charge of this really large construction project. And, and there were people. There were, it was a project that involved hundreds and thousands of people. Except when I looked and I looked around, there weren't people dressed up in con construction clothes. No hard hats, anything like that. When I looked around, and, and here's this, we're at this construction site, they look like people like you. Just like you. In fact, I think I've seen some of you. And they dress like you. That, that's how they look. And, and, and before us was this huge canyon, a valley, a canyon, like, like a Grand Canyon. And behind it was this tall mountain. And I just knew that our job and what God was calling me to do was we were, for some reason, we were to fill up that canyon, to fill it up. And then I knew that our job was to level that mountain. For that reason, that was the vision. And then there was this office on site, and in the office, I could look in the door, and there was all these rolled-up blueprints and plans. And I know those are the plans to do what God had called us to do. And just about that time, there was someone who was praying and was praying for me. And interestingly, they, in their mind, they had the same verse that came to my mind as I thought about this vision. And in Isaiah 40, verse 35, the Bible says this, listen, it's the voice of someone shouting. And God will say, Mark, listen. I'm shouting to you, this, yes, this is a vision from me. And he says, clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord. Make a straight highway through the wastelands for our God. Fill in the valleys, Wow. level the mountains and the hills. Straighten the curves, smooth out the rough places. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all 
all people will see it together. And don't make a mistake, Mark. The Lord has spoken. And it was really, really clear that God had a significant future for this church that we were considering starting. And so on January 2004, we launched out and started the church. And this church started with a vision. Because God has an amazing future for us all. See, in Jeremiah 29, God's saying to us, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good and not disaster to give you a future and a hope. God has a future and a hope and, and, and is making... There's a, God wants us to make a significant and eternal difference in the world. See, that's the amazing future for this church. See? And we've got to understand that. We've got to grab that because this church isn't here like, I like this church. It makes me feel happy. I'm comfortable in this church. That's not the goal. That's not the goal. That's not why we start. Because our future will depend on decisions we make today. Tomorrow, what happens tomorrow depends on what we decide today. And, and more accurately, what I believe God is calling us to and what God is saying to us is that our future will depend on one very significant decision. It's a decision that will greatly determine your future and it will be determining the future of our church. That God's question to all of us this morning and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. God is saying to each one of us and asking us this question. Will you make a decision? Will you personally make a decision to live as a fan of Jesus? Or will you choose to be a follower of Jesus? Are you going to be a fan of Jesus? Or are you going to be a follower? Kyle Eidelman, who we got those terms from in his book, Not a Fan, great book, he writes this. It may seem that there are many followers of Jesus, but if they were honest, if they were, if they were honestly to define the relationship they have with him, I'm not sure it would be accurate to describe them as followers. It seems to me that there is a more suitable word to describe them. They are not followers of Jesus. They are fans of Jesus. Here's the most basic definition of fan in the dictionary. An enthusiastic admirer is a person who goes to the football game with no shirt on, painted chest. He sits in the stands. He cheers for his team. He's got a signed jersey hanging on his wall at home and multiple bumper stickers on the back of his car. But he's never, but he's never in the game. He's never in the game. He never breaks a sweat or takes a hard hit in the open field. He knows all about the players and can rattle off their latest stats, but he doesn't know the players. He yells and cheers, but nothing is really required of him. There is no sacrifice he has to make, and the truth is, as excited as he seems, if the team he's cheering for starts to let him down and, after a few, and, and, as, as, and has a few off-seasons, his passions will wane pretty quickly. After several losing seasons, you can expect him to jump off the fan wagon and begin cheering for some other team. What he is is an enthusiastic admirer. And there's a huge difference between a fan, a person who knows who Jesus is, 
who admires his life and all that he's done and a person who really and truly will choose to follow him. And Jesus has called us not to be his fans, but to be his followers. That's what it means to be his disciple. You see, Kyle Ottoman goes on. He says, the biggest threat, the biggest threat to the church today is fans who call themselves Christians but aren't really interested in following Jesus, following Christ. They want to be close enough to Jesus to get all the benefits, but not so close that it requires anything of them. And I can tell you, I can tell you that we will not be a church that seeks to attract fans of Jesus. We're just not. That that would be such a major disservice to all of you. you know, that if we decided we're just going to be a church of fans, we're going to lead a church of fans, that would be such a major disservice to you all. That we're going to be a church, that we're always going to be a church that goes all in and seeks to prepare followers of Jesus. That I've never felt such an urgency in my life than I do right now. You know? That, that we've, we've got to, that we've got to focus. And we've got to intentionally walk as followers of Jesus into his future for all of us. And it's not just for us. It's for all the people out there. All the people who don't know, don't know Jesus. It's for our city. It's for our state. It's for our country. And it's for our world. That God is saying, you got to be the branches. you got to be the branches that go out and reach out. And as I've been preparing for this message, I, I just kept thinking a whole lot. And as we look forward to celebrating Veterans Day, I've been thinking a whole lot about the 442nd Regimental Combat Team. You know, that famous um, army unit made up of Niseis, you know, second-generation Jap uh, Japanese-Americans. And um, when Pearl Harbor was, was, was attacked, um, the Nisei, like everyone else, kind of like pitched in. They just jumped right in. They aided the wounded. You know, they um, sorted through the rubble. They gave blood. They buried the dead. They guarded, they made sure they guarded Iolani Palace. They guarded um, governmental agencies. And they were right there. They were engaged. They were ready to go because they thought of themselves as Americans. And then the word got out that all Japanese-American men of draft age would be redesignated to, you know, IV or enemy aliens. That these men, young men, who all they thought about themselves as Americans said, you are no longer an American, you are an enemy, enemy alien. And so they couldn't enlist in the armed forces. And that they felt such a deep despair, you know, when they were confronted with, with this with this racism and this fear. But community leaders rallied and, and convinced them, these demoralized students, to persevere. And they petitioned the military governor and they said this, Hawaii is our home. The United States is our country. We know but one loyalty and that is to the stars and stripes. 
We wish to do our parts as loyal Americans in every way possible. You know, and we hereby offer ourselves for whatever service you may see fit to use us. And eventually they were, they were allowed to serve. And you know, most of you know, and I know, you know, they coined a motto, right? And that motto became their rallying cry through, through good times and really hard times. And, and, and they used a motto for, of a phrase that was a gambling phrase. And a lot of them were gamblers. And, 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 and here in Hawaii, there was this phrase called go for broke. And it was another way of saying, ah, we're going to be all in. That we are going to risk everything in one, one, one effort. Just risk everything in one effort to win big. Right? That's all in. That to put everything on the line. And their, and their rallying cry was, we're just going to go for broke. We don't matter. At first, they weren't trusted. What were they called to do? Dig ditches. So we're going to go for broke. And we're just going to dig the best ditches we can. Because they're going to put everything on the line. And I thought about that go for broke. And I thought about going for broke. And I believe God is saying that it is time for our church, for KCF, to go for broke. We got to go for broke. Because that's what Jesus did. See, Jesus went all in so that all could go in. He said, it's not about me. I'm going to go all in so that anybody and everybody, all, can come in. And Jesus went all in. And, and God is saying to us, are you willing? Are you willing to, to go beyond being my fan? And will you become a true follower? Will you become a true follower of Jesus? Are you willing to go all in? Are you willing? Are you willing to go for broke? Because it's time. See, God has called us, called us to be a church that clears the way for the Lord. To be a church that makes straight, a straight highway for our God. That fills in the valleys, that levels mountains, so that the glory of the Lord will be seen. And will be revealed. See, we are and we are going to be a church of Jesus followers, not fans, that will make a significant and eternal impact in our world. We're going to be a church that goes all in, and we're going to be a church that goes for broke. Oh, yes, we are. Oh, yes, we are. We're not going to settle for being fans. We're never going to settle for being fans. The time is now that we got to rise up. He's not pointing our fingers out there. He's saying, God, you're the vine, we're the branches. Our highest priority is just to be stay connected with you, to grow in our relationship with you. Because you're the vine. Our highest goal, our highest purpose is we got to go and bear fruit. And that's what we're going to do. See, my question to you is, will you join us? Will you join us 
as a church, and will you just go for broke? Will you just go for broke? The vision that God gave me in 2003 is, is for all of us. It's for all of us. And more. And more. Nothing would make me happier than to see all of you say, yep, today the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And I'm not sure exactly what that means. But I'm all in. I'm all in. And as best as I can, and Mark, we're going to need some help. And I say, yeah, we're here to help. We're going to help each other. We're going to go for broke. We're going to go for broke. In the end, the 442 became the most decorated unit of its size and length of service in the entire history of the U.S. military. In total, about 18,000 men served, ultimately earning over 9,000 Purple Hearts, 21 Medals of Honor, and an unprecedented seven presidential unit citations. They made an impact in the war. And they went on to make an impact in our community and in the world. And they became a part of the greatest generation in the history of the United States. They're known to be a part of that greatest generation. Why? Because they chose to go for broke. They said, no more self-absorbed living. No more me, me, me. I'm going to be a branch. I'm not going to be a fan no more. I'm going to be a follower. I'm going to be a follower of Jesus. And God's calling us to be great. He's calling us to be a part of the greatest generation of churches in the history of our country. That's what he's called us to be. It's time we go for, it's time we go for broke. It's time we go for broke, church. And call the worship team up. See, our future will be determined by a decision that we're all going to make today. That will you choose this day to go beyond just being a fan of Jesus and become a follower of Jesus? Will you make that decision that, you know, we're going to walk in God's future for us all? That, yeah, you know what? I'm kind of scared. I'm going to go for broke. On your chairs, you know, there's a, a card. And it's a commitment to God for 2018. And um, it's a way of saying to God and to each other that today, that we're going to make a decision. We're going to make a decision to go for broke, that we're all in. And here's what I'm asking, all right? You check that thing off, and you print your name. You fill out this card as a way of saying, I'm going to go for broke. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do that the band's going to lead us in a song. And if you want to make that decision, you say, oh, Mark, it might be an emotional decision. You know what? I take it. Emotional decision, mental decision don't matter. It's just a step of faith. That, man, no more, no more fanness. No more fandom. Time to be a follower. Starts now. Sign that card. And what I'm going to ask you, as the band starts to play, I'm going to ask you to come up, right, and just get your card. And just drop it on the stage. Go back. That's what I'm asking you to do. As a way of saying, I'm in. You just come up, fill out that card, come up, drop it on the stage. 
And you think, oh, I'm not sure, I'm scared. You know what? Take a chance, book a pants, and just sign it. Come on. And if you're part of a family and it's like, honey, I think we got to go. I don't know. You grab that honey and just come on up. All right? So why don't you come up. Dan's going to play. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your great, great call for our church. That isn't because we're a great church. It's because you're a great God. And that you are God. And Jesus, you are a Lord and Savior who's worthy for us to be your followers. Forgive us for just being your fans. That we don't want to admire you. We want to worship you and we want to follow you. And so today we make a decision as a church that we're going to go for broke today. In Jesus' name.